Hey, good morning. Good morning. Let's stand together this morning as we worship our Lord and Savior. Amen. Sing this song together.
We read in Psalm 66, it says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to your name. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. How awesome, how he, he is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. The psalm ends with this. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. As we gather together as a corporate body, we gather together to celebrate the king who has been good to us, amen? And so, so excited that you are here today. Um, as we get started, we just wanna share some exciting news with you, church, and we wanna share this with you because we feel like you've been a part of this journey with us. And so I know you, that you have been praying and just as we have sung, we know that God has been faithful. And so we are excited to share, y'all all know Sophia. And so coming up September 26, we will officially adopt Sophia. <laughs> And so I know that you have been praying and you have been a part of this journey with us and we officially have a date. And so we are ecstatic and we are praising the Lord today. And so thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for loving us and supporting us and praying for us through this journey. It has been a long journey to get to this point. The day that we adopt will be 832 days or 23 days, 832 days, somewhere like that since we picked her up from the hospital at one day old. And so we get to celebrate that. With that being said, that Tuesday evening, the 26th, from three to six, we're gonna have a get together in the fellowship hall. And so just, if you wanna come by, pop in, um, the adoption will be on Zoom at 345. And so y'all will get to be a part of that with us if you wanna come by. Um, but then after that, we're just gonna hang out in the fellowship, fellowship hall and just celebrate that together. And thank you for being a part of that. And so that's Tuesday the 26th um, over in the fellowship hall. We'll be there from three to six if you wanna stop by, um, but just to share with you, church, thank you so much for loving us, encouraging us, supporting us, and praying for us through this journey. And so we want to extend the invitation for y'all to come be a part of that big day because y'all have been a part of um, our lives, what feels like for a lot of this journey. Um, and so since we've, even since before we moved up here, um, and so from our heart to yours, thank you so much for being a part of that. And uh, we can't wait to finally get the adoption finalized and, um, and then see what God has for us from there. Amen. So with that being said, I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer. We'll take up offering together and continue in worship. So let's pray. Father God, we love you. God, just as we have already sung your goodness, and God, we have read your word that declares your awesome works. God, we want to worship you today. God, we know we come in here, we have a lot on our minds, we have stuff going on outside of these walls. God, help us to lay those things down and focus our attention on you. God, we want to glorify you. We want to honor you. God, for all the good things that you have done, from saving us, redeeming us, God, all the way to answering prayers. We celebrate you. We worship you. So, God, we pray now as we take up this offering. God, it's all yours. God, would you use it for your kingdom and for your glory? And God, will give you the praise that you are due. 
And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, sing out, all right?
shocking face tomorrow. Amen. It's a good sign.
so much for loving us so much thank you father for this wonderful day this time that we've had together to lift you up and to glorify you in song god be with us now in these next few moments as our pastor comes god and preaches to us the word you've laid on him today to bring to us god we love you and give you all the praise and all the glory in jesus name amen and the band for leading us this morning in worship. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. As we continue our study through the book of James. As you're turning there, uh, just a, a couple quick announcements. Um, I know we'll share a little bit more at the end of worship. Just uh, we are excited today. We have our first Connect class immediately following worship over in the fellowship hall. And so just to reiterate, this is open to anybody that wants to come and hear a little bit more about Airline Baptist Church, where we're going, what we're doing really, what's our vision moving forward. And so like I said, this is open to anybody. And so maybe you've been a, a member here for a long time and you just want to hear a little bit more um, of kind of what's new, what's coming up, where we're going. Um, or maybe you've been attending for a while or maybe you're a recent member um, within the past year or so and you want to come here a little bit more. Um, or maybe you're attending and interested in membership, interested in plugging in a little bit further. Uh, just want to encourage you to come be a part of that immediately following worship over in the fellowship hall. And so we're excited for that, excited to see what God is going 
going to do through that, and uh, we'll be having more of those throughout the year. And so James chapter 2, and so as we've been studying through the book of James, we, we got to the beginning of chapter 2 last week, and we saw that James really highlights the sin of partiality. And so he gives the rather poignant illustration of, you know, a rich person walks into the assembly and then a poor person walks into the assembly. Who do you show favoritism towards? On our natural instinct, we could, we could probably understand the, the church that James is, is writing to. Surely we'll give the rich person the good seat. We'll let him prop his feet up. The poor person can go sit on the floor. That's the illustration that James uses. And we understand that, but James essentially makes the argument that to show partiality is really a distortion of the gospel. Why? Because at the foot of the cross, we find level ground. That to come to Christ is not a matter of figuring out how much is in one's bank account. To disciple an individual is not a matter of 401ks that we should seek to reach our community. No matter what that looks like, whether rich or poor, white or black, whatever it is, we should seek to reach our community. And so as we continue through that, James is going to highlight this as well. And so we're going to look at verses 8 through 13 this morning. James writes, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. And if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity we have to now worship you through the proclamation of your word. And so, God, would you hide me behind your word? Would you speak to us today? And, God, we will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So we see this idea continue in the mind of James. As he's writing, he's addressing this issue of the early church. And he's continuing on this theme but really, he's focusing on the concept of the law in this section. And three things I want us to take notice of. First, we see the substance of the law. The substance of the law. Going back to verse 8, he says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, what is James referring to. He's referring back to the Old Testament. He's referring back to all those laws that, you know, as we read our chronological reading plans that we, we get to those books of the Bible and we quickly skip over. He's referring to those. And this idea even comes up in the life and ministry of Jesus. That if you recall, Jesus is asked the question, which is the greatest commandment? And essentially what they were doing was they were trying to draw Jesus into a debate that was going on at the time. They wanted Jesus to, they wanted Jesus input on this. Because the debate was, which is the more important side of the law? You had the first table of the law, those first few commandments, which dealt, dealt with man's vertical relationship with God. And then you had the second table of the law, which was the rest of the commandments, which dealt with man's horizontal relationship with each other. 
And so what does Jesus respond? He quotes two Old Testament texts. He quotes Deuteronomy 6. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, which is a quotation from the Holiness Code of Leviticus. You know that section in Leviticus that deals with like, you know, wearing clothes of mixed fiber, not eating shellfish, all of that stuff? That's in there as well. And Jesus quotes that. So in response to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What does Jesus say? All of it. <laughs> it's loving God and loving others. And so this is the point that James is making here. He says, if you really want to fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you do well. You're doing well. That this is the command in which James draws upon to discuss partiality. To love your neighbor. Now, it's important that we define what neighbor is. Is James talking about that person that lives next to you in the neighborhood that doesn't, you know, cut the grass right all the time? You know the neighbor. The neighbor that has some spare cars in the yard that brings down the property value. You know what I'm talking about. Is that who James is referring to? In the context in which Bible talks about neighbor, it's not talking about geographical position. It's talking about the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. That is your neighbor. Your neighbor can be your wife and your children. Your neighbor can be your coworker. Your neighbor can actually be your neighbor. And the command is to love them. And he gives the framework, love your neighbor as yourself. That that's the metric in which we are to love others. How am I to love Mike? How would I want Mike to love me? That's the metric in which I am to love Mike, how would I want to be loved myself? You see, we like to think about how other people would love us, but we very rarely think about how we ought to love others. And so my metric for how I am to love anyone is how I would want them to love me. And I know how I'd want them to love me. That's the easy part of the equation. Like I know how I want you to take care of me. I know how I want you to serve me. I know how I want you to meet my needs. I know how I want you to encourage me. But the question is, am I doing that for you? That that's the metric of love. So when it comes to the issue of partiality, the ultimate problem is that I'm missing the command to love as I would love myself. I'm missing the command to love them because if I'm loving you as I would love myself, I would not want to be on the short end of partiality. Can we all agree with that? None of us like to be on the short end of partiality. Like you got passed over because of the promote, somebody else got a promotion because they were buddy-buddy with the boss. Like that doesn't sit well with us, right? And so for me to show partiality is to actually miss loving you, loving you as a neighbor, loving you as a neighbor as I would love myself. And so this is the substance of the law. Like we can get off into some of the interesting details we find in the law, but even as we see in Jesus, he boils all of this down to what's the substance of the law? It's loving God and loving neighbor. 
that that's ultimately what it boils down to. That the framework in which God has given us to live is a framework in which I can better love God and a framework in which I can better love my neighbor. And so this should be demonstrated in the church, shouldn't it? And so if we're showing partiality like we, we talked about last week, that there are tangible examples of partiality in the church, right? Like, oh, you can, you can give more. We, we want to give you the better seat. Oh, you're, you would definitely be more useful. You have more gifts than somebody else. We want to take more care of you. I'm missing the command to love, which is the substance of the law. So we see the substance of the law, but then second, we see the weight of the law. He says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Notice James does not pull any punches here. This is not some minor issue in the church. This is not a simple matter of preference. Like, I, I like the lights this way. Well, I like the lights this way. Whatever it is, this James calls this sin. And that to address the issue of partiality in the church is just as much addressing sin in the church as anything else that we could address. So he says it's committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. What does he mean? For, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. This is the weight of the law. So here's the context in which James is addressing. He's, he's addressing those that are still largely Jewish in their identity. Like we looked at last week, they're still meeting at the synagogue. And so there, there are still some aspects that is, has crept over from that. There's still this sense of wanting to keep the law. So James says, understand this, if you're going to keep the law, you're responsible for all of it. And to fail at one point in the law is to bear the weight of all of it. And that we understand in Christ, we cannot bear that weight. See, that's why the gospel is so important. The under, understanding the gospel is vital. That we know that there, even us walking in here this morning, there were things we failed at this week. And by virtue of failing at those things this week, we bear the weight of the whole law. Because we can easily say, well, I didn't struggle with big things. No, James says we bear the weight of all of it. Like I didn't actually like murder anyone this week. Give you a high five for that on the way out. But listen, my kids were acting crazy. I got mad at them, I yelled at them, I got angry. We bear the weight of that. Because this is the point that James makes. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. It does not matter what the sin is, we, you bear the weight of it. So we can either live our lives trying to bear the weight of the law or we can rest in the finished work of Christ. 
Those are the two options that we cannot bear the full weight of the law. We know we will mess it up. We know we're going to miss the mark. But Christ did not miss the mark. Christ bore the whole weight of the law. And he is our justification. He is our righteousness. We are clothed in him. That's why the gospel's important. Because we can spend our lives thinking we're doing good. And all the while we're trying to bear the weight of the law that we cannot bear. So we see the substance of the law. We see the weight of the law. But then lastly, we see the freedom-giving law. He says, so speak and so act. I love that James words it that way. So speak and act. Because let's just be honest, there's a lot of things that we like to talk about but not actually act on. This is why James repeatedly talks about being doers of the word, not hearers only. It's one thing to talk about living this way. It's one thing to talk about doing this. It's a whole nother thing to act on it at this point. So speak and so act as what? As those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty? We've talked about it a little bit before. It's the gospel. It's the message of freedom that is found in Christ. That that is the law of liberty. So we speak and we act as those who will be judged under the law of liberty. He says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. If I go about my life and live in such a way that I do not demonstrate mercy to someone, what does that ultimately say? That I do not understand the mercy that's been demonstrated to me. That if you can wrong me and I do not show you mercy, then ultimately I do not understand the mercy that God the Father has given me. Why? Because I wronged him. I rebelled against him. I was living in high treason against the cosmic king, and yet he forgave me. So that should be my metric for how I give mercy to others. For he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment judgment. Can I just share with you, um, as I was thinking through this text this week, just a, a couple points of application on this. And just for the sake of, can I, can I just be transparent with you this morning? This text, the reality of this text really began to set in on my heart during that, you know, that 2020 year. Remember, anybody remember 2020? Okay. So we were in Florida and we had things going. I was a couple years into pastoring and uh, I still don't have pastoring figured out, but I felt like I was getting some things underneath my belt and figuring out how to deal with, you know, church people, all that stuff. And we kind of had some momentum going on some things. And then all of a sudden, sometime around March, we had to shut her down. And y'all know, y'all went through it as well. It got hard. It got difficult in that season. 
Like we coming back around June, I mean, in Florida, you wouldn't have thought there was a such thing as COVID, okay? So we, we made this big plan to regather around June and get everything back rolling. And then we reopened the doors and literally a fifth of the congregation showed back up. A fifth. I'm looking around the room at like 30 people going, what just happened? And it just seemed like everything was an uphill battle. I'm trying to call prayer meetings and there's like six people that show up. I'm trying to call deacons meetings and there's like the same six show up. I'm sitting there getting frustrated and aggravated. It just felt like the wheels were spinning and we just weren't going anywhere. And I think the, the reality of this passage set in on my heart in two ways. First, there is a judge of the earth and I'm not him. There is a judge of the earth and I'm not him. Like I was, I was getting frustrated with everybody. Why aren't we making more progress? Why aren't we going anywhere? There's a judge of the earth and I'm not him. You see, I wanna lead our staff well. I wanna lead our deacons well. I wanna lead our lay leaders and our church as a whole, I want to lead well. But at the end of the day, it is not my throne that you will stand before. At the end of the day, I'm gonna be waiting in line to stand before the throne with you. And then I'll have to give an account for how I led the church. And so he's the judge of the earth, I'm not. And I found radical freedom in that. But you don't have, you're not gonna stand before me to give an account, but you will stand before Christ. But then second in this passage, what if Instead of being critical of where I think people should be spiritually, I started giving mercy for where they actually are. So let's just be honest. We can be critical of other people's Christian lives for where we think they should be. Now, there's a, there's a role in discipleship. There's a role in church discipline. There's a role in accountability structures between believers. So don't misunderstand me. But what if instead of being critical, we started giving mercy for where they actually were spiritually? What would that look like in the church? What if we actually did what James talks about here? That what if Airline Baptist Church was known for the mercy that flows out the doors? Because this brings us to our central idea this morning. Recipients of mercy should be distributors of mercy. Recipients of mercy should be distributors of mercy. See, we go back through all of James' argument here. 
love your neighbor as yourself. When I understand how I have been loved in Christ and how the gospel has changed me, how I have went from being an orphan to an adopted son of the king, how I have been loved, then I have a framework to then love. And that if I love and mercy flows, I'm not going to try to condemn you. I'm not going to try to be critical of where you are instead of letting mercy flow. You see, if I am a distributor of mercy, then it does not matter one's social standing. It does not matter how one came into church today when I understand mercy and freely give that mercy. As the band comes back to the stage, as we understand the gospel, as we understand that mercy has been freely given to me, even though I, I didn't deserve it, even though there was nothing in me that should have earned that mercy, there was nothing that should, God looked at me and said, you know what, that person deserves mercy. No, it was freely given from the Father's heart. And so because mercy was freely given to me, I am then, hear me, free to be free with that mercy. That mercy can then be the overflow of that understanding of the gospel. And so as we close, I've already kind of said it, church, but what would it look like if that was the overflow? If this concept of mercy that I have been freely given mercy, what if that was the overflow of our church? That we were known for freely giving mercy. What if that was the trademark of how we interacted with each other within the body of Christ? That, oh, you may have wronged me, you may have talked bad about me, whatever the case is, mercy. And then those outside of the body of Christ. just looking for some sense of what mercy and forgiveness can actually look like. And they were to look at Airline Baptist Church and go, that's what mercy looks like. What if that was the message we preached? About how we loved people, how we interacted with people that mercy was simply the overflow of who we are in Christ. See, James makes this point, because as we interact with the world around us, our interaction says everything about what we actually believe about the gospel. If we're showing partiality, then we don't actually demonstrate the gospel we say we believe. If we're withholding mercy, then we're not demonstrating the gospel we say we believe. And this is why James addresses this issue. 
So as we close, this altar is open if you want to come pray. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here. Pastor Clint will be standing over there. But it's rather simple today. Are we demonstrating what we actually believe? Are we demonstrating this gospel of mercy? Or are we holding back mercy even in our own lives? Are we demonstrating that there's a God who shows no partiality? Or are we showing partiality in our own lives? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We praise you. We honor you. God, would you speak to us now? God, show us the areas even in our own lives, God, where we have been withholding mercy, where we have been showing partiality and help us to lay those things bare before you. And God, will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we respond today? Thank you so much for being here today. We're about to pray and dismiss. And if you're interested in coming to the Connect class, we'll make our way across the parking lot over to the Fellowship Hall. Go ahead and pray and ask God's blessing on that food over there so we can go ahead and get started as you make your way there. Um, do you want to draw your attention to a couple of things going into 2024? We're going to begin the process of deacon nomination. And so on this counter in the foyer in the counter going out, you'll find one of these long slips. Just want to encourage you to take one. Um, if, you're, if you're a member of Airline Baptist Church, take one, read over it, and pray over it. Um, deacons play a vital ministry. Um, deacons are the lead servers of 
the church. And so just want to encourage you to pray over that as we seek to nominate and elect our deacons going into 2024. And so these will be available all the way through October 8th. Um, That's the deadline to turn those in. And so just encourage you to take one of those on your way out, begin to pray over it. And as a a church, pray over where we are, where we're going, um, and pray over those deacon nominations. This well, you can see a few things coming up in the bulletin. Um, coming up this Friday, all right, September 22nd, we as a church, we're going to be serving in the concession stands of the East Hall football game. Okay, we're going to need some folks there. Um, we're going to need a little over 10 folks there to come serve and be a part of that. So if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, you can see Pastor Clint or Pastor Mike talk to them, let them know that you're interested in being a part of that um, and serving that day. And we'll have a T-shirt for you. Um, and you, we got some new airline shirts, so those will be available for sale in the upcoming weeks. And so I just encourage you to be a part of that. Um, A few other things going on in your bulletin that you can take note of. Continue to be in prayer for FCA Coaches Day coming up October 1st. Um, We've been having some more registrations come in, some more coaches um, letting us know that they're coming. And so be in prayer for those coaches and their families. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to pray for us. Go ahead and pray for the food, and you will be dismissed. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, thank you again for this opportunity we have to worship you. So, God, would you be with us now as we go back to our homes? God, let us be a people who let mercy flow because mercy has flown, flowed into our lives. And, God, we'll give you all the praise. Be with us now as we go to our Connect class. God, would you bless the food, nourish our bodies. And, God, let that be a great time of fellowship as we talk about your church here at Airline. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.